Hey everyone, this is Gabrugman here. Just thought I'd give you a little warning before we start off. No, this isn't a Patreon ad. This is a specific message for this one episode. We start talking about some games and then end up talking about Spooptober stuff, which is Squidgy's way of talking about scary games. We do get really, really specific as to the reasons why the games are spooky. And I, at around 27 minutes, I discuss Shadow Man and the music in that and how really dark and twisted the whole game is so please if you are at all triggered by scary games creepy stuff dentist drills that's one thing that comes up buckets of blood anything like that that you might find in a horror game please just skip this episode completely okay all right cool well for those of you who are sticking around enjoy the episode welcome to the resident evil podcast (laughs) you'll never leave day three daylight the smell hasn't left the city Yet somehow, I'm still alive. Send help. Forget the bacon. The stench of rot hangs heavy in the air. Right, so you've got a game of confession, haven't you, Squidgy? Well, not really a game of confession. You've got something uh, you would like to talk about, Squidgy? Get it off your chest, make you feel better? No, it's, um... Steady. Professional. Um, the... I've, I've got slightly greedy. Um, surely not. Shelf full of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I'm getting... I'm not going to mention the console, but we all know what it's for. The new Pokemon game is coming out. For the, this for the, section not paid for by Nintendo. Yes. Um, the new game that's coming out, I've I've got it pre-ordered. Is this with the Pokeball? Is this Pokemon's playing the Pokemon's, or is this Pokemon's where you're Pikachu and you have to go rescue somebody? Like no, Detective that's that's, Pikachu. Um, that's Dungeon Rescue. Okay. Oh, one of the one of the two. Um, the, you can get it with a peripheral. That's a Joy-Con. That's a Pokeball. Okay. And you use that to move to access menus, everything, and you can store your Pokemon in it. I walk around with it to increase friendship, and it makes noises, and it, it, I think it can move as well. I can't remember. And um, I've I've got that the, the base game and the game pre-ordered, mm-hmm. and I can't remember where I got it from. If there's a midnight opening or not, because I just anyway. And what I did was I thought, what's the point in having one? But I can have two of the Pokeball Joy-Con. Why well, have so, two when you can have three? Why well, have three? Yeah. Because four is clearly better. So what I've done is I've got the the store where I'm getting it from. And I've ordered Pokeball Joy-Con. I've ordered one of them online. So, effectively, I can play two-player by myself. I can't think of anything that's Game of Confessionary. Like, I've never done anything nefarious like G, I don't think. <laughs> Not anything as nefarious as G. I guess one of the things I could talk about is how uh, AVP on the Jaguar, right? I made our dad think that I died. Oh, damn. Yeah, right? I'm um, helping the ante. Yeah, right. Squidge, oh, you want to add this, yeah. Squidgy and I, right, our <laughs> dad used to live in a block of flats. Seventh floor, eighth floor, something like that. Nice. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really high up. And he bought us the Atari Jaguar and the Alien vs. Predator game. And it was amazing and it was fantastic. And um, preloaded save files. Didn't yeah, right. I had these preloaded save files on the cartridge so you already had all of the weapons unlocked and you could just walk around and be in God mode. It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Until, because it's first person shooter, until... The Facebook got you. 
the double noser. Now you see the face hugger, you couldn't see it as it was running around. You could hear it. You could hear mm-hmm. this like chittering in the background, the chittering of it like doing little screeches like in the films. And like Squidges did the sort of footfalls of it running about, but you couldn't see it. You could see the pods where it had come from and you could see them open, but you could not see it. You could see it at an extreme distance, but when it got to your field of view, it if would it was down disappear on, off, yeah, it, it would disappear, disappear towards your feet, you couldn't see it. So you occasionally forget about it because you're gunning down rooms of xenomorphs. Yes. And uh, not a problem. And you wipe them out, and invariably you'd wipe out the entire room of xenomorphs and go, Yes, I am the winner! And then about 30 seconds would go by, and then it'd be like, What? On your face. Now, when you're it, seven... It'd scream at you. Yeah, yeah it would wallop, and it would let this really shrill scream. And the idea was, you get it on the face, you have to literally move left and right as if you're shaking the character's off. head, and then the face hook would fall off, and it would die. It didn't have the thing where if you got hit with a face hook, so, so much time would go by, and then you instantly die because you have a chest burster. Yeah. What it'd do is it'd just take so much health bar down. Yeah, so it would essentially strangle you to death. Now, because it was a Doom-era first-person shooter, yeah. the graphics were pretty terrible. It was kind of like 32240 resolution. Because it literally came out of nowhere, and you're seven, and you're like, yeah, I won! And then this thing goes, what? And then you run screaming to the other end of the flat, right? So you run from one end of, essentially, the building to the other, and your dad's in another room, and he just says this, The assumption is made that I threw him off the balcony. Or I'd fallen off of the balcony. Well, that's a legitimate assumption. Exactly. Yeah. Not a, this thing is a bit on screen and I've run across the room. Oh, there's a wily, chaotic situation happened. So when my dad sticks <laughs> his head in through the door, the curtains are ruffling and he came again, ah, in the background. Yeah. So that's my gamer confession. Let's get the shit out of my dad. Um, Wolfenstein 3D, the game that was cut, chopped, and six chapters worth put into like 10 levels. Yeah. On Jaguar. I didn't mind playing that. You had a couple of extra weapons, so you had a rocket launcher, a flamethrower. You had a couple of secret levels, and it was all well and good. It was on a pad, which killed your thumbs. We got used to it. There was one sound in particular that I hated, and I still hate, in the original Wolfenstein 3D, and that was whenever you picked the key up. It that- used to freak me out. Because it didn't sound like picking up a key. And I don't know what I thought you it sounded see, like, but it freaked me the hell out to a point where I used to have nightmares about it. The original of Wolfenstein 3D, right? We're in a 70 frames a second. I could play that game until you got to the areas in the game where it would tell you in the story and the Nazis started playing around with genetic experiments and bringing people back from the dead. Now I know the character sprites are the same sprites, but with the colours inverted, and they do a zig card and they shoot from their chest. But I'm like, that's a zombie. It's going to eat me. And I'm going to turn off the game because I was seven. It's somehow going to come through the screen. It's going to eat me. Coming from the guy that when you received a double video cassette, how far we're going mm. back, for Christmas, and it was Thriller and the making of Thriller, one, mm-hmm. like afterwards, and then a like whole a thing about documentary, Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah, yeah. a documentary about it. When we put on Thriller, and I was sat inches away from the TV screen. You loved back, it. Right? I was sat there, massive grin on my face. And you he were like sat, four. I was I was two years younger than you. Yeah, yeah. Right, because I am. And he was sat behind me on the couch. Mm. And I was watching it, and he got to the point where MJ and himself, he started to transform when he was mm-hmm. a wolf. And then I think it was the part where he caught up with his prey, and he was at the screen and going rah, going rah and then it cut to the audience mm-hmm. as he obviously went to go 
rip into the last one, have you? He started screaming from behind me. He got turned off. I was genuinely disappointed while he was screaming his head off. When we finally were in a position where we were allowed to watch a scary film that was clearly well above our actual age in terms of certification. Sorry, Mum, I'm dropping you in it. American Werewolf in London. Mm. Oh, we started light in our house. Oh, that's <laughs> what you do. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was a nervous child at the best of times, so it took three sittings for us to get through this film. However, the moment of ultimate delight for me came from. Seeing Rick Miller? No, 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 no. I was a far too young and impressionable an age to actually know and fully appreciate Rick Mail at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was from the dream sequence where he is naked and running through the forests and he brings down a deer and then he stands up in the bushes and sees himself in a hospital bed in a clearing and then it gets closer and closer and closer. And obviously, then they do the jump scare where he opens his eyes and he's got bright yellow eyes and he opens his lips a little and he's got the big fangs and everything. And my brother knew that I was prone to jump scares. I, I Even when I know there is a jump scare coming, I am got by the jump scare. And that's cool because I know that about myself and I accept it. So the day after we had encountered this particular bit and my mum had gone, okay, that's enough, that's enough. You're obviously like, this quite freaked you out. So we'll just wind down off to bed. The day after this, my folks were late risers while we were getting up for school that day. And my brother decided that rather than us watching Mad Lizzie on GMTV, he would find that precise sequence and replay it, having trapped me in the living room where I had to be there to watch or at least hear it. And when I knew about what was going to happen, even the auditory prompt was enough to get the <laughs> moment out of me. What he hadn't accounted for was that although he was holding the living room door mostly closed, it was not actually closed. And so our middle sister was peeking through the crack <laughs> in the door, between the door and the door frame, and saw that, and obviously screamed, because she was younger than even my middle brother. Yeah, that brought a stampede of parents down. And for once, it was not me that was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> because our sister just straight up knocks on him. <laughs> there, was, there was no, like, did you do this? Why did you do this? You're the oldest at me. It was literally my sister just went, <laughs> that was it. With the mention of jump scares, I'm sorry, B, but I'm going to drop you in it here. Um, <laughs> it's not the first time he's dropped you in it for this exact same well, thing as well I'm going to mention that there was a particular game I'm not going to mention I said I won't mention the first one I'm going to mention the second yeah very true this game in particular space yes he refused to play without spoilers being in uh, uh, okay spoiler alert Dead Space 2 My Little Pony Dead Space Edition it might as well have been he refused to play the game without being in TeamSpeak and what would happen was, he'd be a few chapters ahead of me. Mm. And he said he wouldn't spoil anything, which he didn't, to his credit. But all I'd hear occasionally is, I'm going through it, and I'd, I'd just hear him go, there's an event, there's an event. I know it's going to happen. Whoa, 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 right there it is. And it just got really quiet after that. You say that, though, but not everyone's forte is horror games. Isn't that right, Very true, very true. I'm not a big fan of horror games. Ever since, ever since playing Fear and Alma appears behind you as you're mounting that fucking 
fucking ladder. I was just going to say, Fear, I only got to that bit. That's the only bit I got to, and I noped right out and never played that game again. There is this just incredible moment. I don't know how far, if you've played it at all. No, I'm not playing it. If I'm remembering it correctly, you walk into this little pre-encounter room, and you can hear enemies yeah. below you in the next room through an open door. And you're like trying to, if you're playing it carefully, carefully, you're sort of there listening to the conversation, trying to discern how many of them there are before there's any chance of being spotted. But you're up on this raised gantry way that you've come into the room on. And there's a, a ladder mechanic that means you have to actually interact with the ladder. This has been the bad old days of ladders. So they made the animation for it quite well. However, they also decided, you know what? Fuck the gamer. And what they did was, in order to get down off this gantry, obviously you interact with the ladder. It swings your view around and you instantly are at the top of the ladder, ready and planted. At least three points of contact, kids. Health and safety is important. <laughs> However, precisely taking up all of your screen is Alma, this psychotic, paranormal, psycho, ring escapee, yeah. just staring straight at you, pretty much taking up the entire screen. How, how far into the game is this? Because I'm pretty sure... It's not to... far. Not far. It's like the fact... Two, two levels in. Maybe. It's not far. And it was just... It was... I played a little bit more, but the, the actual physical <laughs> shock of that made my brother shit himself not because he'd seen it, yeah. but because of my violent jump scare reaction. <laughs> Literally the second time you meet Alma, because the first time she kicks you out of a building as it's exploding, yeah. most of the other jump scares up to that point are Patton, not Alma. Yeah. And then this is like the second time in the game you see Alma, so it's like very early on. That's how early it is. <laughs> it is a brutal and a highly effective jump scare, and I at once advise against and heartily recommend it. Yeah. It's <laughs> so I, I, well executed. I played a fair I played a fair amount of the first fear game and I was I was about to ask if it was before the whole because it's very sort of squad based, you've got to shoot stuff, run through, what have you, and then the psychological stuff hits. Mm. I was just about to ask, is that like the second time you see it, the latter bit, is that the precursor to actually start going if you excuse expression to so. I think it was before you start developing what appeared to be grossly psychotic episodes, yes. Right. I think it's just after you get the slow-mo powers. Mm. I mean, heck, it's before you realise she's psychic, I think, really. Because, like, the, I, I'm trying to think, the bit when you, like, get to the end of the level and you get to, you think, a survivor, the, the person you've been trying to find, and you turn them around and they've got their eyes gouged out and they're as dead, like, all a lot, dead, dead at the thingy. That's, like, just before everything kicks off, isn't it, I think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Once you discover your mate that you went in for in the first place. <laughs> it's the first fear game where you get past that and then a certain time out where you've got to get to someone to get them out to the in a control room and then out of nowhere something appears behind it and slits their throat right in front of you. Is that the first or the second one? I feel like that happens in the third one, but I've not played enough of all three to tell you. It happened in the third one because I played the third one that was on that came out for like 360, didn't it? And that was like co-op one. It was either the first or the second one. I remember playing that one in particular and you're gunning it towards this control booth, and there's this guy you've got to rescue because he's a researcher or something. And he's got information on like his paranormal studies and the, the little girl and the story behind it, which, if you want to know a really messed-up story behind a gaming franchise, just look at the story of Fear because it's really twisted. But 
you get up to him and you've defended this room, you're running, and he goes to a cutscene and he's saying, right, I'll just get my stuff. And you turn to look at the door and you turn back. And as you turn back, something appears behind him. You see his head being dragged back. It sort of turns and pans towards you so you can't look away. And this guy gets a knife out of nowhere and slices his throat. And at the time when that came out, that was a... Whoa! I do think that'll be number one because that sounds like Patton would have done that. And Patton wasn't in the second, was he? But he was in the third. It was one of those moments where you're not expecting it. There's a little girl that's freaking out. You turn around him and then it's sort of you gain control again. You're looking down at the body. Then you hear a sound and you start to freak out. But I remember that being a specifically freak out moment because it's it's just it wasn't like intense for graphic wise, but it was just like the graphical content of it. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it, especially so. right in front of you. Very <sighs> much so it was it was compared to what we see now in terms of video game violence, it was leagues ahead. Primarily not just because of the graphic nature of some of the stuff that happened, but because of the shock value that it still held. It really was quite a jaw-dropping moment every time. And the fact that it mixed it with this sort of obvious increasing tension and Mm. deliberate attempts to make you ill at ease as the player, it was really quite something special. And certainly as far as my enjoyment of the series has gone, fear is way, way above the other two games. In terms of delivery and the power of it was just... There wasn't a moment apart from the intro in the first Fear game where the game, it always made you feel not on edge, but heavily uncomfortable Mm. at all points. Because if it wasn't the sound being done right, especially if you're playing with headphones, Mm -hmm. but if it wasn't the sound bringing up the atmosphere, it was just when Alma, little girl Mm -hmm. and Alma, when she wasn't blatantly on screen, if you were running through areas and what have you, she was there. You yeah. just show up and then you look and then you look it again. It was almost like wasn't. sort of Fight Club, Tyler Durden moments in mm-hmm. the early sequences of that where yeah. you would almost stop even at like a, a frantic moment because you're like, did I see her? Did I see her? Oh God, did I see her? I and that was know. it. A part of the horror was the doubt that mm-hmm. it placed on you. And in a game that was very much kind of as graphic as it was, it was also psychological mm-hmm. paranormal horror. That element of doubt and mm. doubting yourself in the real world made the impact of everything else just ramped it right up as far as I was concerned. Very, mm. very strong game. Very good. Okay, a question for the room. The Waffle Room. Seems uh, October's just been... Spooktober. Spooktober. Uh, my favourite time of year because mm-hmm. I like to freak people out. Favourite scary game? I'll leave mm-hmm. mine till last because mine's going to be a bit of a weird one. So we'll ask a progman first. Favorite spooky game. So do we take G's answer of fear as his? Would would you like to have give me a moment to think about this because it's it's basically favorite spooky game for whatever reason. So it doesn't even have to be like a a freaky horror game. It could be any game that you find particularly. Does it have to be spooky, or is it just a horror related game? I'm going for games that you play that made you feel actually uncomfortable. So along the lines of things like Bioshock, because there are certain uncomfortable parts of that, yeah. or yeah. Last of Us, which has a very uncomfortable introduction sequence. That kind <laughs> of, I don't tend to play horror games. Like, I'll play the Resident Evil series because I really like But I don't tend to play... I don't tend to sit down and go, and now I want to scare myself, so I'll play this scary, spooky game, other than the Resident Evil games. Because the first one was a kitschy, sort of spooky... Mm-hmm. Almost like a haunted house game. The dialogue was the scariest thing. Yeah, exactly right. That's right. This is the ultimate life form. Tyrant. (laughs) Chris? (laughs) 
Stop it. Wesker, you're pitiful. This is your savior? You say this failure is your savior? But it was a, it was fun to play, and then the sequel came along and made it better, and the series has had its ups and downs, but it's, you know, it peaked at number two, but that's neither, neither here nor there. But I don't tend to play a game that, where I go, I know what I want to do, I want to scare myself. Oh, a game with horror elements. You don't yeah, have to scare right? yourself, but you know. So... I'd say maybe a mixture between the first Parasite Eve game that because intro, Parasite Eve was arguably horror, wasn't it? Though. Oh yeah, the first the first game is a is a horror psychological yeah. RPG. I mean, it was know? banned in Europe. Yeah, just yeah, for yeah that first intro. I mean, that it's movie. based on a terrible film. Absolutely terrible oh, film. That eagle. The eagle it wasn't even an eagle. It was oh. a so it's based on a terrible film that's based on an okay book. The book's pretty good got some good ideas the idea that there's a mitochondrial eve that controls all women in the same way there's a mitochondrial adam that controls all men and that if you're able to tap into that mitochondria you're able to control everyone and everything and but it's very very heavy on genetics background it teaches you a lot about genetics by reading the book if you're not into yeah. science it will bore you shit. yes exactly right it's a good story mm. it's well told the movie is terrible <laughs> It is um, diabolical. It really, it really is. is. And it's amazing that there have been several video games based on the book, even though they're not licensed as well. That's the weird thing. They're not licensed. No, no. No, no. They're not licensed Whoa. related to the book in any way. The author hasn't received a single penny from them. But yeah, so maybe the first Parasite, because it's, it's, again, it's that kind of cool, sciencey idea. You know, it's kind of scary. Plus, it's, it's more RPG bit. than anything else. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the story behind it is also kind of, kind of, it's a little bit spooky if you could control the mitochondrial well, yeah. DNA, you could control the entire populace. But I feel like I need to go back to Shadow Man. I absolutely love The Old Reliable. That's it, right? So, it's based on a comic book series. There's two versions of the comic book series. There's one that's like kind of fantasy and a bit silly, and there's one that's incredibly dark. And the story is you are Michael Loire, you are the latest of the line of shadow men. You have this skull that is carved into your chest, and when darkness falls, later in the game when darkness falls, but when you travel over to the other side, the voodoo other side, the dead side, you become this immortal warrior. And someone at some point during the last 200 years has started collecting all of these psychopaths together to build a cathedral uh, to pain and to try and bring about the end of the world. It sounds like a sort of, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's kind of spooky, kind of scary. And the graphics aren't brilliant, but the gameplay is amazing. If you read the documentation that comes with the game, so like you start the game and you are told, hey, read these things about all of these killers. And it's like, there's a home improvement killer who is essentially Scar, uh, not Scarface, what's his name from Leatherface. Um, Leatherface, kills people's skins them and puts them up in their houses as the wallpaper, and there's like a Vietnam vet, and there's... He's, he's the prison one, isn't he? Yeah, and there's, and lizard there's the Lizard King, who's and this German guy who like... And there's Jack the Ripper. And it's really well researched and really well put together. The actual atmosphere is, if you stop and think about it, well, because it's an action game, you don't really stop to think about it. If you stop and think about it, it's actually terrifying. I, I hated the game because I couldn't play it. We originally got it on Dreamcast. And you the were the asylum. only person that could play it. The Toy Rooms. But I liked the intro, yes. how it brought it into it, how you had Legion talking to Jack the Ripper. Yeah, so... And, and he was explaining how we went along and then Legion was explaining Dead Side and how we could join him, whatever. I watched a lot of you playing it. 
and you got heavily frustrated at times. But yeah, then you, you eventually figured it out. Yeah, and you, the control you, system wasn't perfect. Yeah, but you completed that entire game without a walkthrough, which was really impressive at the time. I enjoyed watching you do it because it had its moments of, of humour. But essentially, the intro, it gripped me because it was the Moonlight Sonata. So one of the reasons it's I really, strong, really, yeah. really dig that game and that the story and the characters is that they're incredibly well thought out and incredibly well designed. You mentioned Legion, right? Legion is this character who is presented as an upper-class gentleman with a goatee who's, who's always got blood dripping from his mouth. He says the line, we are Legion for we are many. If you look into that, Legion is a demon that JC meets in the middle of the desert in a single paragraph in the Bible. He appears once and goes, we are Legion for we are many, and then walks away, essentially. There's no, there's no conflict there. It's just like, like a bit oh. in the Bible. Yeah, right. There's... <laughs> Doesn't he cast him out and put him into a herd of pigs, and then they drive the pigs over a cliff? Yeah, but essentially, you know, there's... yeah, it's, it's a brief appearance. It's a very brief. brief. Legion is quite a, a well built upon character, though, within <laughs> the original source material. Oh, of course, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. He's like, he's he's a bit part player. Quite but remarkable. Then they've got like uh, Jack the Ripper who explains through expositional dialogue. Sometimes they call me Springheel Jack. Mm. Springheel Jack was a mythical creature at the same time as Jack the Ripper, called Springheel because he could jump really high. He was able mm. to get away from the police. Which in but the game, he also it, yeah. killed prostitutes. But in know, in so the game, Jack the Ripper, he could jump to the roof, couldn't he? Yeah, so exactly. He, because he was Springheel Jack. There's all of these, and there's all this gruesome background detail into the actual Jack the Ripper murders that are is presented in the game. And then when you go to like the character who kills people and skins them, when you take him on later in the game, you have to run around in his house and all the walls are made of skins of people, the things hanging from like the lampshades are made of, of rib cages. And there's a bit where you kick one of the doors down, the door opens and it does a classic sort of seventies horror movie sort of jump scare bit. Character kicks the door open, cuts through the door is in front of the camera, door swings open, there's a dead character sat in a chair and it screams at you. They've animated that there are flies flying around and they mm. get in the way of the character. This, you this have to climb like, through blood. Yeah. It this, is this absolutely is, gruesome. This is well another thing to add is this is Dreamcast and N sixty four graphics. So. It was originally made for the PlayStation, so yeah. yeah. So it's it's not like intensely detailed. Mm-hmm. But for the time, it was it was very shocking and very very detailed, and there was a lot a lot of effort put in. The lowest level enemies are essentially zombies. These are people who, when you go through to Dead Side, which is in the game the the place where everybody goes without exception, when you pass on, you go to this place, and then that's where you end up. the The zombie like characters they walk and talk, and they moan and they scream, and they're able to pull your energy from you. You have to kill them. You have to wipe them out with this weapon that you use, this sort of like doombringer, the shadow gun. And when you kill them, they legitimately, properly scream like people being tortured. And their arms and legs are going everywhere and there's blood goes everywhere. It is gruesome. And then you get to the playrooms. So the playrooms, this whole area of the game is designed to make, to take all of these zombies and these creatures and make them as horrific as possible, Mm -hmm. torturing them and doing horrible things to them. So that then the idea being that classic movie bad guy thoughts is that if I do all these horrible things to people, then they'll become really horrible and they'll go out and do more horrible things to them. Just give me a second. Just a brief warning for the people who are listening. Yeah, this... Well, one of the things that he's going to describe in a second is the the music in the background. Yes. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm going to ask a prog man to be very careful how you describe yes, this because it yeah. is really disturbing so, the music. So I would say trigger warning for this bit. Yeah, um, skip over it if you want to. Check the show notes. I will put a bit in the redacted show notes that show up in your player. Skip this bit, okay? Mm. So in the playrooms, you're running around, and the whole time there's this also like brace yourself. plinky plunky nursery rhyme music. Do 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 on like a xylophone glockenspiel, and you're like, hey, this is cool. Splat, pow. And you're you're dealing with these enemies, and they're all screaming in pain. And these other enemies who jump down and they squeal like pigs, and they've got hooks for hands. They eviscerate you if they get near you. You can't run. You've got to step away slowly, and you've got to turn slowly. Got to wipe them out. Then there's ones that come at you with chainsaws and rip you to pieces with those. And you can get cornered and torn asunder. And the thing is that the character does die, but then you start that level again from the beginning. So Mm. he's like immortal, but not invulnerable. So the Mm. idea is he actually feels the pain that you go through. And it's horrendous. And there's this bloop, 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 bloop. And you hear this sort of baby giggling and burbling in the background. Mm. And it gets really dark, really, really dark, because then you hear this like dentist drill chainsaw type sound, and you hear the baby laughing and squealing because it's having loads of fun, and you hear someone else screaming in pain. The idea being that this baby is given this torture implement and is tearing someone to pieces, and you're walking around going, I cannot do this anymore. I have to put the game down and walk away because this is just, it's shocking and it's horrendous. It is absolutely, like, this is a case of an assault on all of your senses. You've got this baby that's tearing people to pieces and you can't turn the music off. It is constantly playing at you. And the game has a bug where at certain points of the game, the music volume goes over, like it over modulates and goes too high and can damage your TV or whatever speakers because for some reason it just logarithmically keeps trying to ramp up the volume and the volume gets louder and louder and louder and, and louder. The, and the playroom is one of the ones that it does it. So you have to literally <laughs> quit out really of the game careful. and come back in to carry on. Like you've got to turn the machine off. So you've got to hit a checkpoint in it, come out, go back in and you've got... There's the, the playrooms is the second biggest area for Dark Souls, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to go back to it. Mm. So what you've got to do is you've got to remember where the checkpoints yeah, are. There's yeah. a little thing on screen. You've got to hit a checkpoint, come out, go back in, and then keep searching. And the thing with Shadow Man is it's a, it's a non-linear game. You can literally do any part of the game you want at any point. Because the idea is you go to this dead side, you find the, the Paths of Shadow, which is where the Shadow Men went. And you can go anywhere you want in this Cathedral of Pain where people are actively being tortured in the background and all these horrendous things are happening. And you've got to solve the puzzles and beat the people and get the stuff. Mm. But you could do it in any order you want. You can take on the big boss at level one if you want, because you have like this leveling system for every certain amount of enemies or certain things you pick up, you gain a level, you get stronger. But you could do that in any order you want. But the thing is, you have to keep going back to this playrooms area as you get stronger to get the different parts of the playrooms in order to beat the game. So the one constant is you have to keep going into this area that is playing this horrendous music. It's this horrendous situation. And there's parts where you've got to like swim through pools of blood. And it's just, oh, it's so graphically, today's standards, it is, it's terrible. Mm. But like the situation it presents and like the character, when, to get stronger, you have to go through these trials, be able to like walk through fire and, and swim through all these horrible what, things. What the things. And the character get? gets like, when you, when you complete these trials, your character is physically maimed in order to be able to do the next bit of the game. 
So you've got the main character who's being cut up and maimed, and the actor is screaming in pain, and you're like, but I'm making it further into the game. This should make it better. But the whole journey is a horrendous story of pain for this character. It's, it's based in voodoo, isn't it? But one what, what yeah, of the yeah. things that I always found really disturbing about the game, the, the playrooms is one of them. Mm. I'm not going to mention what the, the voodoo priestess was doing at the time, but what you have to do is to take on the, the generals before you get to Legion. Mm. Mm-hmm. You've got to uh, assemble this dagger. And you already know what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. don't you? You've got to assemble this dagger, and it's three separate parts, and you've got to go to different areas and... You can only get certain, so you have to do it in a semi-order to get the parts for this dagger. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it makes the entire wherever you go dark, yeah. so you can fight them in their dead side it, form and actually kill it them. It allows those characters. It, it opens up the gateway to so bring those vulnerable. characters through to the real world where they are vulnerable. Right. You cannot so you can defeat them, them in the in the in their sort of dark area in that. A dead side. So you've, you've got to bring them into the real world so they're actually vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing the, the way you do that is you get this uh, dagger. And it can change everything in that part of it because dead side's always as it is, but the real world you have to make them vulnerable. That's that's the other thing as well, right? I'll just point out those those zombie characters, the low level characters, they scream absolutely, scream in pain and, and are destroyed. You go out of the room, you come back, they're there again. So yeah. the idea is that although they are now invincible, in that they can't be just dis- they can't be destroyed. Mm. You have to kill them and, and cause them so much pain mm. every time you see them yeah. in order to get past them. And it's, so there's this constant life yeah. of pain and horrendousness. What, one, one thing I was going to mention is this this knife. Is it three parts or four? It's three. Yeah. yeah three parts. Is. So there is like certain story parts you've got to do. There's a certain order. And then once you get this dagger part, you can do whatever you want, whatever, whatever you do it. And what you've got to do is every, every time that you're stuck, you go back to someone called Nettie. And she's a, a voodoo priestess, and she mm. gives you clues to what to do next, where to go. Have you checked this out? Have you checked that out? And she said, you need to assemble this dagger. And she gives all the info for it, and you can read it, and it's all the lore of it, and what have you. And then when you go back to it, say, I've assembled the dagger. Can we do this then? So what happens is Michael Awar, the main character, man, right? He lays on the ground. She sort of like sits on his stomach. And then well, she, she doesn't, but I know, yeah. but we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. She, <laughs> we'll, we'll just say that she sits on her stomach and she's doing this um, enchantment. She's saying the words, doing the ritual, at which point she takes the dagger and stabs it in your throat. Clear stabs it in your throat so yeah. you can progress in the game. She kills your character completely destroyed. So, and it's not like that would not be a, and you're gone. That is, I can't breathe. Yeah. I can't move. And there's the you know accompanying I mean? sound effects of that happening. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the foley <laughs> for that section is amazing. That, 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 for me, was probably the most gruesome part. Yeah. The whole to- the whole way through the game, he yeah. is in massive amounts of pain. It's heavily based in voodoo, and it's really dark well, and twisted. Hollywood voodoo. voodoo right? Yeah. It's heavily based in that, and it's really dark and twisted. But if you can sit in that, I watched you from, like, from start to finish playing. If you can persevere through that, because eventually, I mean, like any other horror game, you, you start to get numb to it. Mm. it. It starts to become that's, plain vanilla. That's, that's, the, the, that's the weird that's, part. That is the scariest bit, yeah. that you, you are completely to become, numb to it. All of these characters numb. are crying out in, yeah. shrieking out in pain. And you're like... Yeah. I remember you always... it becomes routine. Yeah. It becomes routine, so... retrospective horror. Yeah, So yeah. who's, who's the monster? Is it Michael Oware you? for controlling him to go through this. But I always remember that. It's a really good choice because it's so... The story of it is so dark and twisted. Mm -hmm. But if someone who's getting into gaming now and used to what we're doing now goes back 
even with the music and stuff, it's not going to bother them too much, I don't think. Well, yeah, you've you've got to be able to put yourself in the character's mm. position to really get, like like you said, you've got to really get into that position and then realise that sort of retrospective, oh, hang on, what? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit, mm, yeah, oh. Because it's not just you're overpowered, you're going through, you're hitting stuff and level progression. It's repeated areas, screaming, a constant theme of pain, which is, and the fact that you get numb to it's the, the freakiest part, I think. Mm. But uh, yeah, de- definitely. I, I also remember when you tried to reacquire that for Dreamcast for the second time, you got an Italian version. Or was it German? Was German. it German? And which was really weird. Mm-hmm. It was English subtitled anyway, but it was just odd hearing him. Yeah, yeah. So I'll ask you, favourite spooky game? Fear is probably the one that directly was just horror sort of based. Mm. I, I enjoyed not enjoying that game. Similarly, though, as my movie taste expanded obviously i would be remiss in not mentioning a a fan favorite uh, particularly the sort of psychological dramatic horror would be spec ops the line oh excellent choice oh yeah aka apocalypse now the game oh my the transformation of your character in that yeah absolutely fantastic and To be honest, when I played through it, I I must have been playing quite heavily a whole bunch of like shooty shooty games. So initially, during the actual playthrough, I was aware of the horrifying moments in the story, but they failed to have at the moment impact. Mm. However, upon reaching the conclusion of the story, you deal with the main crux, and then there is a little bit after that, mm. which presents you with one final choice. And I took the bad option to see what happened, and that was when it kind of the impact, for lack of a it no makes pun you intended. Feel awful, doesn't it? Yes, it, really it makes does. you realise exactly how you've been twisted from the character at the start to the character at the end, and. I immediately regretted my certainly my final decision because most of the other points of impact within the storyline are non-negotiable. They are weighted decisions in certain instances and just generally it's about the sort of downward mental spiral of people at war and in alien circumstances. And I don't mean like UFO or anything. Yeah. So Spec Ops was certainly going to be high on my list the, the, definitely. The, just really quickly the thing i liked about spec ops was once you got to the end and you chose your ending mm. which for better or for worse you chose your ending you, you were stuck to it you know the actual storyline mm. the thing that i liked about it was if if you go back knowing what the ending is mm. and you play the game from the start again you can actively see as you progress yes. through the game how you're being twisted yeah you can see once you know what the ending is you can see how people are twisting what you're doing, so you think you're doing the right when thing. I call, when I say it's Apocalypse Now, the movie, I don't mean it's like you're Sheen on the boat. I mean, you are Colonel Kurtz. The twist absolutely reframes everything else that you've done up to that point. Very it's, much so. It's one of those where if you play it, and then if you play it again, you can actively see how you're, you're being twisted and how, how the story's being twisted. What you're being told isn't the truth, and you're just going with it because you're just following orders. But if you play it again, I think the Playing the game first time is fantastic. But yes. Playing it again, knowing what the ending's going to be, it makes 
that suspense gets even worse. Well, I found that it's not one of those games that has a new game plus mode, but it was one of the few instances of a game where I got to the end and I shut the computer down for the night and then the next day I started it up and I played it from the start again just to re-experience and the knowledge of yeah. what's going to happen. It's kind of one of those, did, did I really just do that? Did that really and just the happen? the inescapability of it. Yeah, it's, so, it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen, so but you can't believe it as you go along. For someone who hasn't played the game but is willing to accept spoilers, lots of different yeah. things happen and you get twisted because you have to, presumably you've got to do horrible things to not horrible people. Well, you, you, and then you get to the end of the game. You've got to do horrible things. You have to make moment by moment calls in particular the um there's an airstrike that you have to call in and you're given two locations and both has a potential outcome neither of those outcomes is good and when i played it through the first time spoiler alert i opted to save my teammates and the second time, it was just like, now, nah, my knowledge of what that entailed as an outcome was, it just didn't feel worth it. By the end, yeah. it is, <laughs> there is a heavy weight upon you. Yeah. A heavy, heavy weight definitely has a replayability to it. Um, and it's something that when I got it fairly recently, excuse <laughs> me, on, um, one of the bundles had it for free. So I reobtained it and yeah, I went straight back in and it was just, again, I felt just that sort of encroaching weight as mm. you progress. There's almost a sort of meta commentary as well, isn't there? That, like I say, that sort of encroaching, mm. I know that no good will come of this and the helplessness. It's very clever because although it's a linear story, there are choices that aren't choices for any sane or rational mind. Bless of two evils every time, yeah. minute, yeah. There's no good outcome, whatever happens. Um, and that, just, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it really is. After the finale, there are spoilers and then there are spoilers, and I can't spoiler that. But yeah. there, is a, there is a post-finale finale, which really kind of brings home just how oh. much of a up you are by yeah. this point fantastic game and it starts with the sort of urgency of the situation but the usual kind of squad mentality and chatter and as it goes further and further into the story there is more and more discord and less harmony and more disagreement with everything that you do or say and there is a part of you as like the weight of command and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then it's just like, this is a shitty situation. There is no real sane person could handle this. You know, they talk about, air quotes, the horrors of war. This game is the horrors of war for a, a non-military personnel person, you know, for, for a member of the public. My sense of playing games like that, I can't do it no more. But when I played it originally, especially the second time I played it, you're more aware of, I mean, from the get-go, there is something in the first area of the game that blatantly tells you, because you don't see it the first time you play it, but in the first area of the game, there is a blatant clue to say that what you're doing is wrong, and it's right in front of you, mm-hmm. and you don't notice it till the second time through. Mm-hmm. You just don't notice it. The second time through, you look at it and you go, 
I'm tempted to put the pad down, but I need to see this. Yeah, there is a part of you who is just like, I should have seen that. Yeah. So, yeah, there was that. And that's also why there's a bit of a metatextual part of it, because it's also like almost a commentary mm. on other squad and shooting games of that same ilk. Because you just buy other games, you are trained to think a certain way and trained to recognise things a certain way. And that plays into how the game then goes like so later on after it's twist shows you like oh you know that thing you just did that you should have noticed you know, if you were actually a human being and not just playing this as a squad game that you think should play it you would have noticed that but you didn't so haha <laughs> we got you my other choices as i believe i discussed on my previous appearance mm-hmm. purely don't do it <laughs> don't you know, do I'm, it. Gonna to, I'm gonna have to venture oh. back into the dark emotional territory oh. of last of us oh. the game that i my ps3 broke before i got anywhere really in that game but unfortunately i got past the intro at the time i was a very emotional new father to a young girl and that is not a good time to play the last of us <laughs> but yes obviously the intro to uh, last of us i particularly like the part in the intro with, with joel and his daughter mm. where it's his birthday and she gives him a watch and he goes and how did you afford to buy this, and she goes, drugs, I sell drugs. And he immediately goes, oh, good, you can start playing towards the bills then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love it. <laughs> it's that bantery thing that you, you, you get the similar sort of bantery thing in, yeah. like, uh, adjusted. It felt like a real relationship between those two characters. Very yes. much so, very immediately so. It's as much a credit to the scripting as it was to the voice actors themselves. Mm-hmm. The ease at which that dialogue was delivered, made it real, Mm. made it so real. And then there's the end of the intro. I just got to that point and I put the pad down on the table in front of me and for a good five minutes held my face in my hands as I questioned, am I emotionally capable of playing this game? This is going to be a tricky one. Dear me. How do I approach this? Oh, my yeah. goodness, yeah. I don't know if it counts as a confession that I still haven't finished Last of Us yet. And I've well, had it I still haven't, but I like haven't. I say, my, my console blew. So. I haven't. I've got multiple versions of the game, and I refuse to finish it, even though I know it ends. I actually refuse to finish <laughs> it. My final, final horror talk-about point would have to be the old CDR-based point-and-click Phantasmagoria. Which, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god, some of the death sequences in that for the protagonist (laughs) were astonishing. That is pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing, particularly the dark room. If ever you cocked it in the dark room, oh, yes, fantastic, horrible, because it was that wonderful mixture of the bad acting and the, the real physical effects. Superb. Absolutely superb. And I'm not a horror fan for that kind of gore, but that was, there was some amazing moments it's, it's, in that game. It's classed as gornography nowadays. Yeah. Like so gornography. That's, that's what some movies are classed as gornography. Well. <laughs> well. Yeah, go for the sake of gore, yeah. Well. Um, saw movies and Final Destination, people only watch it for the deaths. I do know that they used to use the phrase torture porn. Yeah. Yes. So, like, the remake of Evil Dead was known as Torture Board. Yeah. So, that, I yeah. guess, would yeah. be go, go, no, Gonography? Gonography, yeah. Okay. Gonography. So, come on, B, give us yours. Favourite spooky games. So, as someone who doesn't generally play a lot of spooky games, I can say, because I'm not a huge fan, it's weird to pick, like, a favourite one, 
I enjoyed what little I've played of Alien Isolation. Oh. The atmosphere of Alien Isolation is just wonder it's spot on to the original movie. Aesthetically, atmospherically, like I said, the music, the scoring, it's just like such a perfect reconstruction of everything that made the original Alien movie so scary, basically. It's pitch perfect. Can I, can I just add a real quick uh, tidbit about the original Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Alien movie, just really quick. I watched a documentary on it, and when it was released, there wasn't many sci-fi movies. Star Wars had just been released, so Alien was greenlit. And a lot of the scenes in the movie were improvised. One of them especially was the chess bester scene. Nobody on the, the staff, apart from the director, knew what was coming, so the shock was genuine. Mm. And it shit the actors a little bit. And then when it was released at cinemas, people were, as it went on, it was that atmospheric, they were walking mm. towards the back of the theatre. And then when that scene hit, especially, people were throwing up because mm. it was that shocking. And there was one guy and they said that he, he was really proud of his cinema. It was clean. It was, you know, every, it was pristine. He loved his cinema. It was a, it was a good guy, wasn't mm. it? And then he said, he, he was having a chat with one of the directors and he said, you know, your movie has made my bathrooms. <laughs> you know, I've had to clean them God knows how many times. And he said, I had that problem and then I didn't. And then the director said, how'd you get how'd you get over it? And said, simple, I just cut that pile in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that, though? He did. He just cut it out, the chest bear scene. That that's that three-minute section. That is an outrage. That's, oh the people who saw that version of the movie, the alien just got out somehow into the spaceship. Yeah, there was just an alien. And then one of the... I, love the, other, I love the other story about that, where they had mocked up, uh, Scott had mocked up the alien design in physical form. And it was at the point where none of the actors had seen it yet. Um, and he brought them all in to have a look. And they were all at, I think this was actually at Giga's house. And so they were all there. They were, you know, enjoying fine company and having a laugh and having a drink. And then he was like, okay, so I guess you want to see it then. And certainly the male leads were all really keyed up and like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be cool, this is going to be cool, and not a single one of them didn't walk out of that room blanched and like, that is, oh, no, no, oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah. He gave him a lot Some of room. effects in that film were astonishing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love the, if you listened to the, um, sorry to override your, gaming business <laughs> no no it's absolutely but if you listen to the director's commentary on one of the original dvd releases ridley scott reveals that for the initial egg scene that's his hands yeah, yeah. in a pair of gloves that's just him he is the face yeah. and he was just you know under an egg i am the face hugger <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well no, he certainly Nailed the movement that he wanted. I'm sure. I'm sure. Bet, yeah. Is it just Alien Isolation B or? Well, this is what I was going to say. So, Alien Isolation, like, so I've only got as far as the Med Bay, which anyone who's actually played <laughs> the game will tell you, yeah. isn't that far into the game? No. It's yeah. like maybe the third, yeah, third or fourth map, and it's only about the first hour after you've met the alien for the first time. Yeah. I think that depends on the pace at which you go through those levels, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. I, I think it's. One of the best things I like about Alien Isolation is that in the same way that fear messes with you, Alien Isolation does as well. I don't know whether they covered it because I was out of the room, but you'll be walking through an area and you'll see something move and you're like, was that the Xenomorph? Mm. Was it? Mm. I don't know. You turn around and it wasn't. The amount of effort that they went to to recreate the Nostromo. Yeah. Like they looked at the production shots and the dailies to 
rebuild the entire ship virtually. So that yeah. the ease, you are literally walking through the Nostromo. I actually want to play that game because I've, I've got it, but I want to play it on a version of the game where when you play it, you get asked if you're on the Xbox and it asks you about the Connect. If you're on the PS4, it asks you about the, the camera. It says, do you want us to enable the, <laughs> the speaker? And what it does is when the Xenomorphs in play, if you make too much noise, it can hear you. Ooh. I want to play the game like that because I didn't, and I got three quarters of the way through, and I thought this game's really good. I played it when Chief was here just to wind him up. It it didn't make me jump too much. He's worse than the beat for mm. jumping, so I did it to wind <laughs> him up. But I want to play the game where it can hear me breathe. So you literally you even it, it, something jumps out and you've got to if you've got <gasps> if you make yeah, noise, hear it in the background it, coming for you. Wow. Yeah, they included can, can, that. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be, though, if someone in your house just, like, trolled you all the time and goes, shouted up to you and goes, what are you doing up there? What I want to do is, I, I want to play it, right, but I want to play it in winter, when I've got a bad yeah. chest, because I'm asthmatic, just to make it triply <laughs> hard for me. It's a nightmare mode. <laughs> and to have a, a paramedic on hand for when you lose consciousness. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> somewhere to fall. But, yeah. Super hard mode, playing it in summer when you've got an open window and it's hair fever season. Yeah, there is that mode, and I, I never played it like that, but I want to play it like that. I don't know if the PC version's got that. I couldn't honestly tell you. Because I haven't got the PC that I've version. ever been insane enough to look at. But I, I actually want to try it like that, because I don't want to... I can't be bothered to set my connect again, and I don't want to get the, the camera for the PS4, because I just... You'd, you'd think someone surely should, must have modded it in. On PC, mm. if they hadn't buying that, if, if they haven't officially released it, either that or it, it might have a thing in saying if you've got a headset with a microphone, do you want us to? Yeah, hear right. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine you, someone makes you jump and then you make a sound and then you hear it coming for you? I feel though on Windows you have to explicit like as the app starts, you have to explicitly ask for permission to use the microphone. Like yeah, you have to, say, I, check, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's, 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 I it's entirely, do. but it might be a case of you start the game, you choose the option, you have to drop out and drop back in, sort of thing. Is that the only one? B. I mean, I do enjoy a couple of other games that are like I've actually compl- for ones I've actually completed. Again, obviously, as I say, <laughs> the list is quite small. But you know, Dead Space Two, what we've already mentioned, um, I did I did enjoy that once I'd got through it the first time and was immune to the jump scares i did find that like a very good fun adventure game and like a really good take on and it was such a shame that dead space 3 in, in relativity was absolutely a bit naff i mean naff is being polite about it but just the fact that i could play and complete dead space 3 without what i've said about before you know like one jumped like a thingy two i had to add to have someone on thing three i didn't need any like support thingies for that and to get through that I, c- I could just get through it which already like not that i wanted to be scared but you know that already kind of indicates to you that atmospherically it's nowhere near as good as the previous two games just really quickly dead space 2 was very action oriented dead space 1 won awards for its atmosphere oh, and sound the audio right. design dead, dead, dead space, space 3 the fact that the ending boss you fought a planet couldn't save it i'm sorry what you fought a moon. Yeah, you jumped the shark. That was the ending boss. You fight a moon. Did, did it at least say, show me what you got? No, it should have done it. It would have been better if it had done that. From the first and the second one, getting from very atmospheric and horror-based to very atmospheric, horror-based and action-y, like over the top, like you couldn't sit still, because that's yeah. how, how, how quick-paced it was, to, to have the third one 
being that the ending boss was a moon that you fought that's, and you couldn't save it. That's what I mean. When you've run out of ideas and you're like, hey, fellas, why don't we just have to play like zap a planet? That's scary, a right? Yeah. This <laughs> the only game thing you're curious is fighting a moon. Yeah, exactly. A planet would have been okay, but I think it was more uh, of a indication of, like you say, how, how the atmosphere had just completely changed. But if they had introduced it as it was like a, a sentient planet that was out to kill you, and then the kind of, rather than, you know, making it literally attack you, like maybe you, you'd have to be forced to explore the planet and you have to go on the planet, but, you, you know, you know the surroundings are always trying to kill you, so that would be like a good atmospheric horror game. The way it was done and the stuff leading up to it where there's no horror atmosphere whatsoever, yeah, it became this sort of ridiculous version where it was a you've got to fight a planet because it's the biggest thing we can think of that we want to attack you i mean there was like a story reason but it was just absolutely rubbish way of getting to it and the co-op aspect though it was a good idea the execution of it it just completely took away all focus of horror and turned it towards action completely wasn't very fun but two like i said two enjoyed a lot um and was i would say one of my favorite horror games in, in that classic sense I especially like stinger at the end at two Yes. I did enjoy the stinger at the end. Well, the stinger too, you had to know the stinger from one to really appreciate it. <laughs> it's still good yeah. <laughs> I liked what they did with it, yeah. Okay. So what about you, Squidge? I'd be remiss if I didn't see a Silent Hill. Okay. On the Which PS1. one? There's like 12 million. No, PS1, first one. Okay. With its right, limitations okay. of like 3D rendering yeah. and stuff. Um, with the fog, but playing it on the arcade stick makes it harder. What I really liked, so... The original Silent Hill, the reason that it's so foggy and so atmospheric is literally, like you said, literally a hardware limitation. There's only so many polygons that the original PlayStation hardware could draw on screen. And to get around that, they introduced a literal fog. Nothing outside of that fog is ever drawn at all. It's only when you walk through that fog that it's drawn. But obviously it lends itself to this spooky atmosphere where you can hear things happen, especially at the beginning of the game where you've got that radio that kind of gets all staticky as you hear yeah. enemies getting near. Yeah, it's, it's your only indication when enemies yeah. coming near, but it's just the pure depth to put into it, like the, the sounds of some of the bosses, mm-hmm. the, the sound engineer, I can't remember his name, I do apologise, um, but he he put things into that game that humans didn't like, so the sound of a dentist drill, that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of the enemies in the game were personifications of the main, the main characters, a little girl, her nightmares and fears, and especially... It reflected a lot of the, because um, it was a cult in the town, it reflected how she was treated and uh, they were in like the enemies and stuff. And apart from there was a sewer section near the end where there was no map and you really needed to be psychic to know where you were going. It's it's a really fun game. Definitely, I can't go through it quick. It's got, I've got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to enjoy it for what it is. I can't just beast through it. I'm not going to mention Resident Evil because people like spooky Resident it's, Evil games. Yeah, it's, it's Same it's like kind Clock of a, Tower, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a cheat, um, really, isn't it? I, I will say I did enjoy a specific way of playing Diablo 3 because mm-hmm. I, I love playing as the Demon Hunter, the Squishy, as, mm-hmm. as, as AG knows. But what I like doing was I like playing through the main story and then grinding the arcade mode, but with a specific album playing in the background. And the album is um, one of Within Temptation's albums. Okay. Because it's very sort of, if you're playing as a demon hunter, the story is when they were young, the parents are killed by demons, so they've got a lot of hate and resentment, and that forces them to kill all these these creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, the album itself, it's sort of like, as you're playing it, if you don't want to listen to the story, if you just listen to the music, the stages of the actual story 
and the the demon hunter's background is reflected in the music as you listen to it it's really good it makes it a more engaging experience instead of go here click that click that kill that and don't don't die it's i I found that very enjoyable once i once the album was released and i started listening to that alongside the game i just have that on repeat constantly kind of like when we used to play alien 3 with lighthouse family yeah 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 um, Which is a weird situation. You play yeah. this run and gun alien game with with like, chill out music. Lyle's family's yeah. ocean drive in the background. Really odd. Is, uh, um, interesting. Uh, well, there's a commentary on psychological horror. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And whilst you're thinking of it, I just want to mention a honourable mention. There is a GameCube game. Eternal Darkness. Yes. True. Good shout, actually. Good shout. That's an excellent one. Yeah. What's great about this game is you play through this kind of psychologically horrible horror game. Mm-hmm. And then, spoiler alert, similar to how Batman Arkham Asylum has that weird bit halfway through the game where, <laughs> where it crashes, crashes. in bunny quotes and it reboots. Yeah. Except that when it reboots, it's Batman who's been captured by Joker, right? In similar veins to that, mm-hmm. things start happening in the game where you think it's crashing, it will go grayscale for no reason. Then it'll come back out and it'll like go uh, staticky and like the tracking's gone and mm. you'll get vertical hold issues. And And the idea is that it represents that the character is losing their mind to the point where there's a part where you save your game and it says it's wiped your memory card. Wiped the memory card. Which it doesn't, but, you, but if, if yeah, you're playing you any other the, games... The actual pop-up you get is the Nintendo, your your card has been wiped message that's so it's useful. not yeah so it's not like a pretend one it's the actual your memory card is knacked which is fantastic and then mm. like it's subtle things like some of the colors are not right and then some of the some of the 3d models don't get rendered and then part way through the game it swaps the controls around so right goes left but yeah. for only for a couple of minutes and then it swaps back around again but it's small little things when something scary happens to the character that scares them out of their of their wits that would scare you as a normal person mm. they represent the things that would happen to you if you were put through these situations, the sort of, I don't want to say PTSD because it, it belittles what PTSD is, but those sort of tiny little shocking moments where it's like, <laughs> um, uh, 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 you and know. then you come down and then you yeah. I, th- I think there's only two more things I want to mention. One of them is, I can't remember the name of the game, but it's a horror game where you're attacked by ghosts and your only defense is a camera. A and Fatal Frame. A Project Zero in Europe? Yeah. Yeah, Project Zero and Fatal Frame. Thought the, the entire series of them I could happily play. I've never played one, but I'd like to be able to sit down and freak myself out with it. I believe they've just announced Project Zero's in Smash as a assist trophy, I think, in the new Smash. There's them I want to play, but there's the last one we're going to mention is a specific DLC for Resident Evil 7. Because I've played all but one DLCs. And have, have you played any of the DLCs, B? Uh, Resi 7? I have not played them, no, but I know of them. So if I said the DLC where you play Zoe, yep. and you have to escape the house as the family's being turned into the moulded slaves? Yeah. So the whole premise of it is when when you start off, I think, is it the family? Baker family. Baker family. No, I meant the name of the DLC. Is it the family one? Oh, it's um, End of Zoe. Zoe's Escape. No, Zoe's Escape. End of Zoe is the one where he plays... Um, Jack's brother, yeah. Bob's brother, anyway, it's like... The, the whole premise of it is you. it starts off and you find the little girl. She's been washed ashore. She's still alive. So the, the nice Baker family bring her in and you're told to go upstairs and change her out of her wet clothes to nice dry clothes and put her in this room. You go up to the room, suddenly all the lights go out. She, she laughs in your face and then disappears. 
and it's the Baker family sort of like being tend. And with you being you, you don't realise and you've got to try and escape and evade them. And it's the fact that you've got to use your wits. You've got to look around you while you're being chased. You've got to look split second to places to see how you're going to get out. And there's two separate endings. There's gow and stay out, or there's find out why it's happening and get the best ending. I got the, the worst one because getting the best one's really difficult. But you've got to do stuff like you've got to avoid a certain family member in a massive hole, so you've got to hide and hope that they don't see you. And depending on what you do, that might change how they patrol that area. So you've got to be really quick, but you've, you've got to really trust yourself. Same with um, Jack Baker. He's constantly trying to kill you. And at one point where if he doesn't grab you, you escape, but you hear him grab Marguerite and drag her into a room. And there's nothing you can do to help. You just hear the screams and you think, lovely. And then you see your brother Lucas. He gets dragged into the attic by, we don't know who, you just see his feet. And then what you've got to do is to get like the normal ending, you've got to try and find the car keys and get out. When you get the car keys in like the main main hall where the house is, Marguerite grabs you. You think, oh crap. And then you, you see her, she's sort of, she's fighting some of her back and she says, take the keys and go, I can't do this forever. She gives you the keys. And at that point, you've got to get to where the car is, avoiding the head of the family while she's trying to fight off control. And then you've got to get to the car and get out. And it's horror, it's sneaky action with very fatal consequences, but it's the fact that you've just got to get out. There's nothing you can do to save your family in that in that instance. And it's this, this little girl that's doing it. Obviously, you play the main game before, and so you mm-hmm. understand what, what that's all about. But you've got no weapons, you've got nothing but yourself, and you've got to get out. You've got to figure out how to get out. There's nothing you can do to save your family. And at certain points when you're looking, you either see them get dragged into areas or you see them sort of like twitching, trying to fight it, but the, the infection's taking over. And it's one of those where you sat there and you're thinking, there's knack all I can do about this. Mm. I've got to get out. And yeah. it's that that's driving you. And it's it's so freaky and yet you feel so helpless. Mm. I think, uh, I honestly think a lot of people miss the point with the Resident Evil 7. Mm. Um, because because of the, the pedigree that it has of this, like it ramped up Resident Evil 4 through 6, including um, Operation Raccoon City and the Revelations Twins. It ramped up the action side of things. So you run in, you run and gun and shoot the thing and then you run away. Yay, and you win. Whereas seven is a slow boil. It's a, yeah, it's a slow I've boil. I've not played many at all of the Resi games, but I would have to say that seven certainly seemed to be a return to pedigree. I was going to say, don't forget Umbrella Corps, but Capcom did, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Shots fired. You know, and, and, you know, truly the only real way to play Resident Evil seven is with the headset, and I will put my hand on my heart and say I would not be able to do it. Definitely wouldn't. I want to play that in VR. Like, yeah, I could not do it. I could not do it. Like playing it on your TV, Squidge, with the I think it was the Xbox, and sitting what two three feet away was enough for me. And I could not. There are a lot of legit jump scares. Like you'll turn around a corner and a character will be there. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's just a horror staple. I get it. But then there's things like you're walking through these creepy areas where it's like dark and it's it's squidgy, not as in like you, but you know, and you can hear things going organic. Yeah, really sort of. Yeah, that organic feel and organic sound. And it's just that's unsettling on a TV. Mm. And I can't imagine what it would be like if the TV was pressed against my eyeballs 
and there are headphones on my ears delivering the sound. You, you say you couldn't manage Resi 7, which is, yeah, and I couldn't either. I was just wondering, like, if you'd tried the kitchen demo, the original demo, before they revealed it was um, a Resi game. So that's free to download on PS Network. So I'm going to say it'd be interesting to see if you could manage just that. Because I know a lot of people who tried that, and like I said, this is even before it was revealed as a Resident Evil, and they said that was the scariest thing that ever done in VR. <laughs> and it was like, so even though it's like it's only like a, it's not like part of the main game, it's like a, its own thing, but it's still like related to the game. I haven't got VR, and I, I don't think I've got the space in the Technodrome to actually do it. Ooh. But I, I do want to give it a go at some point. Sorry, I was just remembered a video that I saw about a game that was always kind of struck me as being quite sinister and I just wondered, have any of you played Duck Season? Oh my god. I haven't played it but I've seen lots of footage of it. Oh my I've got to play that game. Similar to uh, the kid buys the game and it's Duck Hunt from the Nintendo. But then it turns out he's his dad in the game and the character comes out of the game and comes to get you and puts you in the game and I've seen so much footage of that and people playing it freaking out and just oh my word. If anyone gets VR or Oculus Rift, or what have you, mm. and you have a chance to play that game, do it. You will. It will freak you the hell out. Um, even if you... Am I allowed to pimp a, a specific video here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even if you aren't interested in directly playing it, I heartily recommend Game Theories, Duck yes. Seasons, Kill yes. the Dog Unmasked, yeah. which breaks down the entire game. Oh. And the step-by-step revelation of... The, the, the progression of that game is just like, yep, well, there's one I'm not ever playing. Mm-hmm. All, all you basically get told is that you're, you're a kid way back in the day and your mum gets you a, a game, a gun mm. shooting game for the NES, and the cartridge is haunted. That's it. It's like the ring of the NES. Mm. But yeah, that's that's definitely awesome. If you do, if you ever get a chance to play that, it's it's not that expensive. If you've got VR, Oculus Rift, go for it. You, it is just fantastic. Mm. There's so many different endings. Mm-hmm. Oh my, oh my god! Yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely. If you do, I want to play that. Genuinely want to play that myself. I'm literally queuing up that video now to watch after the podcast. So. You will never yeah. ever look at a dog suit again yeah. in your life. <laughs> this will end your fascination with keep, fluffies. Uh, so uh, keep the light on. Just real quick uh, for <laughs> yeah. the people who are listening, I'll put a link in the show notes. So make sure you check those, and there'll be a link. Any closing thoughts, G, on the end of the year, spoopy video games, whatever else we've talked about today? I don't know, man. I think we've covered pretty comprehensive material right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, uh, there yeah. have been some heartfelt yeah. recommendations, <laughs> some great reminiscences as well in yeah. some instances. Okay, cool. What about you, B? Any closing thoughts? Yes, I would like to say, Miyamoto, you can find my PayPal address in the show notes of the description, and I accept <laughs> money in either pounds, shillings, pence, sterling, US dollars, or Japanese yen. Or indeed Bitcoin, right? No, no. I've got standards. Come on. Lies. I will accept Mario stars. Well, by you, Squidge, any final thoughts for the year? It's now the end of 2018. We're obviously recording this in advance, but it's the end of 2018. You've just talked about spooky video games. We've talked about all the Spooktober. other stuff. Yeah, we did spooked over a little bit late, but that's like, it. That's it. Not a see you all in the new year. None of that. I I don't really have any closing thoughts myself, other than that was an amazing episode. We need to be doing these more, I think, with more people for the inside baseball fans. That's the people who know about how podcasts work. It's a sports reference that I get that I don't understand from mm. America. We are obviously recording this weeks in advance, 
Uh, we've already got the November episodes up, so these this is us recording at the beginning of November. Uh, but I feel like we should do these more often, where we can have you know a, a great number of people in the room because more more ideas, more stories, more you know, and that's the whole point of these things. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can get more of more of more episodes. More of more. Yes, more of more. Now guaranteed more. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get more episodes where there are more of us on them, mm-hmm. I think, because that makes more sense. I'm going to keep saying more, more, more. yeah, just because it does. It's, it's, it makes more sense to have more voices, more ideas, more thoughts, more stuff. So, yes, expect more of these, I guess, in the new year, as long as everyone involved is willing to participate. Um, and if not, adequately bribed. Just like last time, never again. <laughs> of course, of course. That's traditional. Yes. Yeah. This will be, presumably, because we've recorded four hours of audio, maybe a four-parter, um, which is essentially almost all of December, because it's a five-week month. Um, so you'll have something in your podcatchers all the way through December. So A nice, scary, spoopy. Yeah, right, a nice way to end the year. I will put a disclaimer at the beginning of this one that we talk about spooky stuff. We do get a bit explicit with some of the things, so trigger warnings and stuff. Skip this episode if, that kind of thing. Um, If you didn't skip the episode and you got to this point and we did trigger you, I did warn you. So, you know. I tried. Yeah, You you were warned. To be fair, if, if you were then triggered and then carried on listening to this point. Yeah, but then, you know, some people can be paralyzed by fear by almost anything, can't they? So, you know, and I'm not going to. For three and a half hours? Well, there is that. (laughs) So, yes. So I will say happy holidays to the listeners, obviously. And uh, G and B, it's been fantastic to have you both on again. Thank you very much. It's been amazing. I'm going to cheekily plug something. Right, I'll tell you what then. Why don't we all do that if there's anything you want to plug? So I will say that um, recently I... Who says you can get to them first? (laughs) Fine. (laughs) I would like to plug the B. (laughs) Quite literally. Plug him in, into the wall. No, just, no, just you know, seal him up. <laughs> Jesus just, Christ. Just, just make him airtight. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. He ain't gonna help you now, babe. Oh, anyway, right, as you were. I can't, I'm plugged up. <laughs> there's, there's a difference between plugged and clenched in fear. <laughs> I mean, really, is they if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, one involves a, a physical mass. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the other involves a tap, I suppose. You know. I think there's enough physical mass in me already. <laughs> Steady on. <sighs> anyway. I'm going to edit all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, recently I had the massive privilege and uh, fortitude. Fortitude? Uh, I mean, sadly. Again, again fortitude. he's a writer. Yeah. <laughs> I had the. I have the best words. I have the yeah. best words. I know all the words, oh, all the back, best back, words. Back, back, back. So recently, I had the massive privilege and honor of being asked to help work on uh, a book called "Women in Gaming: uh, 100 Professionals of Play," written by Megan Murray. And by the time you hear this, that book should be available in all good bookstores and online from Prima Books. It's a brilliantly huge book full of interviews and profiles of many brilliant women in the games industry from all walks of life from developers publishers everything in between definitely worth a read if you're into your history of gaming and to hear about many of the badass women who populate this industry 
uh, definitely worth you picking up. So go buy that now if you would like to. Thank you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Scrooge, you got anything to, to, to brag about? Nope. Gee, anything you want to tell people about that you want to brag about? Up, yeah. I'm awesome. Enough said. That's good adjustment for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I guess a thumbs up for me. So I'll say that it's more of a computery thing, but um, I've started submitting ideas to conferences recently. So I'm starting to, people are starting to know who I am. Just a, a broader selection of sandwiches. That's it. Yeah. Cool. No, yeah. it's me. As we're recording this, uh, next week I'll be in London giving a talk about programming which is kind of a little bit spooky, a little bit scary, because I'm going to stand in front of potentially hundreds of people and talk about a piece of technology that I'm supposed to know loads about. Um, And it's going to be filmed and it's going to be available on demand. Because I did a 50 cent recently and just bought all the tickets. It's just going to be me. That's it. That's fine. Okay, cool. That's fine. No, that would make me more calm about it. But yes. um, So, yeah. That's it. (laughs) So, So... as related to that, I would say go check out uh, wafflingtellers.rocks to get the show notes. Check your podcatcher to get a link directly to the show notes for the episode that you're listening to. Uh, make sure to come back several times over the next couple of weeks to make sure you get the episodes that G and the B are on our end of year episodes. They're super duper amazing. Head over to check the show notes for links to stuff that the B is doing and G is doing if he wants to um, tell you about things that he's doing like Twitter or twitch or anything like that but yeah we'll we'll get some links and stuff um and yeah just continue to be awesome i guess yeah and indeed waffle on for the final time in 2018 unless you're listening to this in the future in which case don't (laughs) just don't 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 listen to it in the future <laughs> just, just don't. Yeah, well, not for the final time in 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either don't listen to this for the final time in 2018. Don't waffle on, or you just can't don't. listen to it. In yeah, just don't. Just stop. Just yeah. none of that. No, just don't do it. Enough. That's it. Please like and subscribe. That's Chief's job, isn't it? Oh yes. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Cool. Yes. So we will catch you all in the new year, I guess. Mm. Happy holidays, folks, and waffle on, Squidgy. See you later, Squidgy! Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GK. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. See the show notes for more details. <laughs> say hello, Squidgy! Say hello, Squidgy! Don't hello, forget Squidgy. to send hashtag say hello, Squidgy.